and that is on uh, Saturday. Guys, Saturday morning, men's prayer at 7 o'clock. And then there's the ladies' bunko night um, at 5 o'clock. So ladies, if you can sign up for planning purposes, 5 o'clock. Here, finger foods will be provided. There's some youth events taking place on Saturday evening from 6 to 8 o'clock. Uh, here at the church, um, the high schoolers going to be meeting. You know, I, I warned uh, Luke and Ashley, uh, the youth leaders, that the ladies will be here, and they get kind of rowdy, so... Um, <laughs> not the high schoolers it's the ladies so <laughs> playing bunko so <laughs> anyway you guys will be sharing the facility I'm sure it'll be fine so six to eight o'clock at the church um, for the high schoolers so parents so you know when to pick them up and then on Sunday the middle schoolers are going to meeting uh, be meeting from one to three o'clock and uh, just having some fun outside and getting together so that's on Sunday uh, also, Sunday morning, uh, three morning services, 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. We'll continue in our study of 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to be kind of dealing with a subject that sometimes is a little bit hard to swallow for some of us, and that is being submissive to the governing authorities and, um, and also being submissive to our bosses. And, uh, and then as Peter moves into chapter 3, wives being submissive to your husbands. So we're going to really take our time and see the heart of God on this manner so you have a good understanding of God's heart on these things. And very important, um, how the Lord desires for us our conduct and our behavior and how we live our lives. So I think you'll find it to be um, beneficial and very much of a blessing. So um, again, three morning services on Sunday as we continue in First Peter. And then um, there's a couple of things taking place, again, the middle schoolers in the afternoon, um, 1 to 3, and then young adults game night here at the church at 7 o'clock. And then young adults, don't forget, at the end of the month on the 26th, there's bowling for you guys as well. Ladies, 55 and over luncheon on the 14th. That is um, coming up on Tuesday uh, of next week at 11.30, so sign up for that and a ham and drinks are going to be provided. And guys, don't forget about the men's conference on the 18th, a week from this Saturday. Um, we got a little bit of a change in it. We didn't know how many guys were coming because there's some uh, guys coming from a few other small calvaries in the area. But uh, we get kind of to that point where it gets hard to cater food in like what we've done before. So uh, looking at the numbers and stuff, we got about 100 guys. So we're going to go ahead and, and cater in Dickies. And we told you that it was free. And um, so I don't want that to, um, you know, prevent you from coming, guys. If, you know, um, what we usually did is uh, Dickies, you're going to have a great lunch. Um, we have, I, I don't know exactly the menu, but there's meat and I know there's beans and there's, um, you know, potato salad and stuff like that, all right? So um, a suggested donation is $10. If you don't have it, just come, you know, and eat. Travis will pay for it or, uh, <laughs> or Dustin, you know? So anyway, we're just, we just want to provide lunch because you're going to have to go out and get lunch anyway. 
um, and it just provides a place for fellowship. So I think we're going to be okay and be able to have enough room. When you get over 100 guys, you get 120, 130, uh, we'll, we'll probably be around 100 guys. Um, you know, it's, it's easier to do and, and it's doable. It's, uh, so we're going to go ahead and go for it. And we called Dickies and they said, yeah, I'll just give us a number. So guys, if you're going to go to that uh, men's conference, 9 to 3 o'clock on the 18th, we're going to open the doors at 8.30 so for some refreshments um, to come and have some coffee and juice and bagels and things like that. Um, you know, we're going to have a great time. And we really want to encourage you uh, men to stay on the wall. All right, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, is the men stationed themselves on the wall, and so did Nehemiah, and he didn't get distracted. There was a lot of distractions, discouragement, um, you know, very easily uh, could have been full of fear because the enemy was coming against them, trying to get them off the wall, and so we're going to look at some great lessons and make application on guys how it is that we can stay on the wall, and they were stationed in front of their house. And uh, how we can continue to minister to our families, do the work of the Lord, you know, all these things that are important for us to consider as men. So um, join, you know, sign up for that just for planning purposes, especially now that we're going to be providing lunch. And uh, if you want a, a suggested donation, uh, that'd be great to help cover it. Um, but like I said, I don't want you to worry about it. Um, you know, I, I've never wanted this ministry to be focused on money and all of this. Um, so if it was up to me, we'd give everything away free, and we do. That's why we give away CDs and tapes and Bibles and everything else. We just trust the Lord's going to provide for that, all right? So lunch is going to be provided, and, um, and you can, you know, if you want to give a suggested donation at the door when you come in, that'll be great. So um, VBS, uh, continue to plan. Uh, it's not too late to volunteer. The uh, volunteer sheets are out there at the sign-in for the kids. So uh, we're looking forward to that, a park outreach that we'll do at the 1st of June, which will be upon us before we know it, because so we're already, um, you know, April's going fast. The first week is over, entering into the second week. And uh, so um, I just want to encourage you now that uh, Easter is over, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, as we're getting uh, towards summer, as we're getting towards the end of the school year in another month or so, I want to encourage you to continue to just come out and hear the Word of God, particularly on Wednesday nights. And it's great to see so many that have been doing that and bringing the kids and a lot of youth kids. And, and I know that it'll get busy and kind of crunch time. And it's also the time of year where we like to get away for rest and relaxation and, and you're probably planning uh, vacations and things like that. But your ultimate rest is going to be in the Lord. So don't forget to continue in the Word of God in your own devotions and coming here and learning the Word of God and encouraging others to continue to grow in what God has uh, to say to us through His Word. And you're going to grow tremendously um, as uh, you continue to do that. So just a little word of encouragement. Father, we ask that you just bless this time as we now are in your Word and looking at these Psalms of David. And Lord, bless our hearts and encourage us. And um, we want to be comforted and strengthened, and uh, we're going to see how valuable your word is. David understood that. He understood the importance of having a personal relationship with you and drawing close to you. And so, Lord, help us to understand those things, and uh, we give you this time. Give us understanding. Teach us. Help us to stay awake. 
uh, because it can be hard at times and when we're tired. But we want to be awake spiritually. We want our ears open, our eyes open, and our hearts soft to be teachable. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So in Psalm 18, we just began to look at it in Psalm 18, last uh, time that uh, we uh, were in the book of Psalms two weeks ago. And it's a Psalm of David. It's one of the longer Psalms that we have in this book. It's, um, I think, only three other Psalms are longer than Psalm 18. But David gives this psalm. He writes it after his enemies have been defeated. He's been the king of Israel now. And uh, you recall that when David, when you start 2 Samuel, he is first uh, the king of, of Judah. He's in Hebron. But then he is made king of all of the 12 tribes of Israel as the house of Saul got weaker and weaker and the house of David got stronger and stronger. And so David writes this psalm during that time, how uh, his enemies were defeated before him. And one of the things that I've really taken notice of when we read David's psalms that his relationship with the Lord, his closeness to the Lord was of primary importance to him. Um, and that's worth considering because I know that when I grew up, you know, um, I grew up in a religious system where it was more about religion than it was about relationship. And I want to remind you again that our Christianity is about relationship in a personal, close relationship with the true and the living God. And David understood that. That's why he had a heart after God, because he desired to, to draw close to him, sing praises to him. He was a worshiper. And in these uh, psalms that we are going over, he's such an articulate man in writing his desire to, to praise him and, and, and express his love to the Lord. And that's what he does in the first three verses as we looked at last time. He says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. And he goes through as we looked at each one of these um, um, attributes of God. Lord, you're my rock. You're my deliverer. You're my strength. You're my shield. You're my power. You're my salvation. Um, and because of that, you're my stronghold. You are worthy to be praised. And I desire to express my praise and my love to you. And you are one that has saved me from my enemy. So David was a mighty warrior, wasn't he? And he's going to express that. We're going to see that in these psalms that we're going to go over here tonight. But he was always giving glory to the Lord, and he knew where his strength came from. He knew that it wasn't himself. He didn't try to exalt himself. But one thing that David, even though he was a sinner... And even though he did commit sin and he messed up and he had some shortcomings, one thing that he didn't do was exalt himself to where he would give, you know, uh, exalt himself and, and say, look at me, I'm a great warrior. Look at me, my strength, uh, you know, my power. He always gave glory and exalted the Lord in that. And that's what he does. So in verse 4 here, as we pick it up, he's going to talk about how there was, you know, this difficulty all around him as he writes, the pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. So he talks about how, you know, all this ungodliness and evil was around him. Even the pangs of death surrounded me is what he said. And of course, David went through very difficult times with Saul pursuing him in the wilderness, with the enemies coming against him and the other nations. And, and again, he had bloodied hands. He was a warrior. He defeated
hated his enemies. And he talks about how the floods of ungodliness were all around him and, and made him afraid even. We can become afraid at times. And what brings fear into our lives is because we look at this world, the darkness, the ungodliness, the evil, and it's like a flood sometimes, isn't it? Man, it just like overwhelms us. And that's what David is expressing. He went through those times. Now, when we go through those times where we're feeling overwhelmed or difficulty or darkness has really come into our lives, there's one of two responses that we have. One is, is that we can kind of drift away from the Lord and, and look for our own strength, look for the world's strength, look for the world's solutions, or we begin to cry out to the Lord. And David here teaches something very, very important in these Psalms. And he was one that constantly and consistently knew the importance and the priority of that in these times, I'm going to cry out to the Lord. I'm going to draw close to the Lord. I'm going to put my trust in him. And I know that he hears me and he uh, is going to be one that's going to save me. My cry came before him, even to his ears. And isn't that wonderful to know? Always remember this, that your cry, the Lord hears. It comes to his ears, and he does care, and he does see, and he desires to work on your behalf and to strengthen you and to bring that endurance and patience that you need to get through that situation that you're in. So David faced threats of death and the overwhelming presence of ungodliness, but then he talks about how God worked on his behalf. Verse 7, then the earth shook and trembled, the foundations of the hills also quake and were shaken. Now, it's interesting because David in the Psalms and in this one, he uses a lot of poetic language um, to, you know, describe how God saved him and how God cares for us. And we'll see that in this Psalm and then as we go into Psalm 19 as well. But David here, when he talks about, it's interesting, the earth shook and trembled and the foundations of the hill also quaked and were shaken. Um, that is he using poetic language or did God use supernatural means to deliver him from his enemies? I mean, we see that in the Old Testament, how it was Joshua. He was another warrior as he brought the children of Israel into the promised land. Here they are doing battle, and he extends the day. He used hail to, to defeat the enemies. And uh, we also see it with Elijah, and we see it uh, with other kings that uh, were fighting the enemy, that God used, you know, nature and, and storms and things like that to defeat the enemy. And perhaps he did that with David. But David is just talking about the power and the majesty of God working on his behalf. Actually, verse 7 kind of reminds me a little bit of, you remember in the book of Exodus, when Moses brought the children of Israel in ranks out into the wilderness, God said, bring them to the mountain of God, and they're going to meet with me. I'm going to introduce myself to them. And so that's what happened. They came to Mount Sinai, and all of a sudden, the Lord said to Moses, tell your people, get ready, because I'm going to show myself to them. And the mountain shook there in Exodus chapter 19. And there was thunders, and there was lightnings. And I think it was divine lightnings and thunders. And there was, you know, smoke and fire that came from the mountain, and the thunder of the voice of God. Uh, the voice of God is oftentimes this, you know, is in that language of he, his voice thundered. And uh, we know that in the book of Revelation, that when John saw the resurrected Jesus there standing in the midst of the seven lampstands, that his voice was like the voice of many waters. And uh, so the powerful voice of the Lord, that voice that spoke and created the universe. 
So here he's speaking of the power of God. In verse 8, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth and coals were kindled by it. He bowed uh, the heavens also and came down and in darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters. And the thick clouds of the skies and from the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. In verse 13, David continues that the Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice and hailstones and coals of fire. Uh, he sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. In verse 15, then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundation of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. So David speaking how God delivered him from situations that he himself could not deliver himself from. He didn't have the strength. He didn't have the power. He didn't have the ability. It was overwhelming odds against him. And he gives glory to God and he recognizes that God is the one that worked on my behalf. And we need to recognize that God works on our behalf. In those situations where they're overwhelming, where, you know, it, it seems like, Lord, how am I going to get through this? The Lord is the one that gives us the strength and the ability and the endurance to get through it. And we give him the glory because he is powerful. He's the creator of the universe. And there's no situation so difficult or overwhelming to where he can't work for you because you cry out to him and he hears you. And that's what David, he, he knew that, that um, he recognized the God of hand in his life, but God delighted in me is what he said. God delighted in me. And he delights in you as well. And as we continue in verse 16, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord delights in you. Always remember that, and he is for you. And David continues in verse 20, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me or repaid me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. So David here is interesting, and I perhaps have mentioned this before, but David um, speaks of his righteousness. He's He's maintaining his integrity, his godly integrity. And we know that when he was being pursued by Saul in the wilderness, that David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. In other words, David had opportunity to kill Saul, not once but twice that we read. And David said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to lop his head off. God put him as king. I'm going to let the Lord take care of it and put me in that position as king because he knew he had been you know, anointed as king. So you see that David in his Psalms, before, you know, um, all that sin with Bathsheba that happened in 2 Samuel chapter 11, he maintains his integrity. But then 
the Psalms that he wrote after his sin with Bathsheba, you don't hear so much that he maintains his integrity, but there's more of a plea to the Lord to his mercy and, and grace. And, and Lord, don't be angry with me because of my iniquity. And that's the tone that kind of changes. But here we see that he's maintaining his integrity, that in verse 25, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. And with the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. And for you will save the humble people and will bring down haughty looks. And so David here um, is speaking about that, Lord, you'll be merciful to those who are. And you'll, you know, be uh, one that's working on the person who has godly integrity and godly character. And it, it reminds me as, as we read this that, you'll, you know, we'll save the humble. You, you'll work and show yourself pure uh, to those who have a pure heart. Um, remember that Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 7, for what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. There's a very important principle in Scripture that I think David kind of, that he touches on here, that if you are harsh and judgmental and pointing your fingers at others, guess what? It's going to be measured back to you. You're going to have a finger pointing back at you. So to the merciful, God who who is the righteous judge of everyone, that you're going to show yourself to be merciful. If we're ones that we're merciful and we care about people and we're patient with them, we're going to see that, that people are going to respond to that oftentimes in a way that is favorable. Not always. But they will, you know, respond in a way a lot different than if you're harsh and judgmental and coming down on them and being negative all the time. So if you're pointing your finger at somebody, you're going to have a finger pointing back at you. So it's going to be measured back to you is what Jesus said. But let's continue in verse 28. For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, but my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his ways is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. I love David, you know, he's inspired by the Spirit of God, but just how articulate he is. He, he is expressing how he was empowered by God. And David was. I mean, he slayed giants. He was a mighty warrior. He was a great warrior. He did have bloody hands. And he was one that would take on the enemy. And remember the songs that the women would sing of David when he was Saul's armor bearer and, and uh, they would say that Saul's killed his thousands, but David is tens thousands when they would go to war against the Philistines. And so David was one that you didn't mess with him. If you mess with him, he would give you a whipping, you know. And, um, and they were empowered, David and his mighty men, by the Spirit of God. I mean, supernatural power. It's the only way to explain it. And matter of fact, when you go into um, 2 Samuel, there's a list of David's mighty men. And he had 400 mighty men, but there was three main mighty men that he had. It's also listed again in First Chronicle. And the first mighty man was a guy by the name of Adino. And it tells us that he killed 800 Philistines at one time. Another time he killed 300, and it says that he lifted up his spear. In other words, he raised up his hand. And listen, if you want to be mighty in the Lord and have victory in your Christian life, 
got to be one that you're raising up your hand. That you're raising up your hand in praise and in prayer to the Lord. And you're going to see that the enemy is going to be defeated. There was another guy, the second, you know, mighty man of David that's listed, Eleazar, and, and he, he would kill many Philistines as well. And it's said that he was in one battle that he, you know, had that sword in his hand that it stuck to his hand. He couldn't let go of it. You know, have you ever, guys, or any of you, that you, you grip something so hard and so long it won't let go? Well, that was Eleazar, man. He, he, he couldn't let go of that sword. It stuck to his hand and listen. As we go to Ephesians chapter 6, doesn't it tell us that our battle isn't with flesh and blood, but it's with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And we need to remember that, that it's a spiritual battle out there, and the enemy desires to come against us and throw the fiery darts at us, and we're to put on the whole armor of God. So in Ephesians chapter 6, the whole armor of God is listed there. You can do a study on it, but one of the things that are listed is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? So guys, when we go through that lesson in Nehemiah, that Nehemiah, that he's positioned the men in front of their homes, and they had a sword in one hand and a trial in another. Guys, to be able to be effective in your ministry as they were stationed in front of their family to protect them. That it starts at home in ministering to your family Ministering to your wife and to your children, or some of your grandchildren. Maybe some of you, it's other family members if you find yourself in a single state. But you're to do it as you have a trial in one hand, you're serving the Lord, and you're, you're living a life that honors the Lord, and the sword in the other. You've got to have the Word of God that directs you and guides you and, and for every area of your life. Because we need that, don't we, parents? We need that, men, don't we? So we can be the husbands that God has called us to be, the fathers that he's called us to be, that we can be the employer or employee that he wants us to be, that we can live life in a way that pleases God. We've got to have the Word of God. And he's going to be talking about the Word of God here in just a minute. But he recognized that, Lord, for you, for you, that I can run against a troop and I can leap over a wall. You've done that. And we can as well, as we are men that, that, and women, that we raise our hands to the Lord in praise. As we have the word of God that is in our hand, but more importantly, in our hearts. And then there was the third one, Shama. Shama was told to guard this field of beans. And, and then all of a sudden somebody yelled, the Philistines are coming and everybody split. And Shama said, not me. The king told me to stay here and guard the beans. So that's what I'm going to do. And he stood fast and he took on the Philistines and he defeated all of them. The Bible says to stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. And that's my prayer for all of us, that, Lord, help us to stand fast in you. And when the world cries, split, get out of there. Don't trust in the Lord. We can say, I hear the voice of the king telling me to stand fast, and that's what I'm going to do. And I think the Lord looked down at Shaman and said, I like that. I like that. And I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to empower you so you have victory. And it delights the ears of the Lord when we do the same thing. When we say, I'm going to stand fast in you. I don't understand all this. This is too much for me. It's overwhelming. David said, the floods of ungodliness coming against me. But because of you, Lord, that I can, you know, I can do this. I can leap over a wall for you, God, that you're the one that helps me to run against the troop. 
because as for God, his ways are perfect and the word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. So for us to be mighty, that is we're men and women of praise and prayer. We have the word of God that's in our hearts, that we're ones that we're going to stand fast in the Lord and know this, that the word of God is proven, it's perfect. It's proven for us, it's for us today. And he is the one that makes our ways perfect as he's going to, uh, as he wrote. And the word of God is true for us. You know, there's more and more of an attitude, I think, even in the church that, well, the Bible's irrelevant in a lot of areas. And the, like the Bible needs to catch up with society. Completely backwards. Society needs to repent and catch up to the Bible. Because his ways are proven. In other words, David knew something that we need to understand. And David valued the word of God that we're going to see if I get to the next psalm here. But the word of God is proven. It is proven. It is right. It is true for us in our lives. And so he's the one that as we follow his word, we will see that the word of God is proven. Don't please for any of us, because any of us can do that, even in very subtle ways. When the Lord tells us, gives us his commands, gives us his instructions, gives us his truths, his principles, do not go and say, well, that doesn't work for me. Or I'm going to go another direction or try something else. Listen, the word of God is proven. It is for you, it is for me, and every commandment that is given of the Lord. And one of the things that I've told you, I'm going to tell you this one more time. No, probably a hundred more times before unless the Lord comes back really soon. But I will not be negligent to remind you of these things, though you be established in them. And one of the things that I was telling my New Testament survey class, this very thing, because I want them to understand those young hearts, that as John would write, that this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And as I've told you before, and may we always remember this, that every commandment, every expression, every truth of God is an expression of his love for you. Because he loves you and he loves me and he says, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be, you know, one that um, is, um, you know, fooled by the world's lies. I, I want you not to get hurt because of sin. I want you to know my truth and experience that abundant life. So every truth of God is an expression of his love and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, it's not to burden you, but to free you, to be able to live for him and have joy in your hearts and experience that abundant life that he has for you. And when we make that our own and understand that, great is the day. When we understand that, Lord, your word is proven and your word is true for me today. For whatever you say for me. And it is right. That all scripture is given by inspiration of God, isn't it? And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. To equip every man, you know, and woman for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration. It is God-breathed, in other words, is what it means. Not some of it, not part of it, but from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. It is all God-breathed and is for us. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. 
So here David, he, he is talking about the, the Lord's word is proven, and he's a shield to all who trust in him. Verse 31, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on uh, my high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Notice here, David doesn't say, I'm such a great warrior. He's given all the glory to the Lord. He is my Lord. Who is like our Lord? He's my rock. He's the one that strengthens my arms. He's the one that gives me the ability to be that warrior. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Any of us that go up in the mountains when we see a deer, aren't they fun to watch? They kind of bounce, you know, bang, you know. They're sure-footed, and they're so graceful and 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 fast, and it's incredible to watch them. And, and he sets me on the high places, and, and um, he's the one that strengthens me to be victorious. In verse 35, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. In other words, that, that we can be on that sh- sure and, and, and strong foundation of the Lord, not on shaky ground, but he's just, you know, expressing that, that God, you're my strength. You enable me for battle. It's a battle out there, isn't it? And some days it's more of a battle than others, but you empower me. You empower me for this so I can trust in you. In verse 37, so I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise, and they have fallen under my feet. For you have made, you have, that is, armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. And then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind, and I cast them out like dirt in the streets. I told you he didn't mess with David because he'd give you a whipping, and that's what he's describing here. But he's given glory to God. God gives us victory over the enemy, and those who come against God's people eventually are going to be defeated. You know, Romans chapter 8, Paul would write that if God is for us, who can be against us? And David believed that God was for him and would give him victory. So the question is, how about you and me? Do you believe that God is for you, that he loves you, and he wants to show himself strong on your behalf as you cry out to him, as you have a heart that's loyal towards him? That's the promise of Scripture. In verse 43, you have delivered me from the strivings of the people. You have made me the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. The foreigners submit to me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. And so he's just talking about in this, you know, doxology that he's going to go into that, you know, he praises God for delivering him from his enemies and you've established me, and even the Gentiles, they, they're afraid of me. They, they obey me, and, and uh, you've given me that. But he's given glory to the Lord. He's not tooting his own horn. He is exalting the Lord. You've made this possible, and he goes into that doxology as he praises God. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. That'd be a great song, wouldn't it? So it, some of us that are a little older, there was a song 
that, um, that I won't sing it, but um, based on verse 46, I, I can hear it in my mind right now. I'll, I'll go to bed singing it, but I'll sing it to Sue tonight. So it, it is God who avenges me, verse 47, and subdues the peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. And therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. So, Lord, you're my rock. I give you thanks. And we need to be thankful to the Lord from delivering us from the enemy. He's already given us victory. I mean, there's still battle out there. But he's given us victory over Satan, who is our ultimate enemy. And David knows here as he's praising God and giving thanks to God that God has established his throne. So David didn't boast in himself, but he boasted in the Lord. And in Psalm 19, we'll go over very quickly here tonight, but it's a psalm of David. And, you know, some comment that this psalm reflects more than any other psalm, reflects just a beautiful expression of Hebrew poetry. Some suggest that and have the opinion that this is the greatest poem in the Psalms. And it is very articulate. Matter of fact, I think that I would not do justice to even comment on it. It is so wonderful and articulate how he writes this. But I'll make a few comments. But let's look at it very quickly. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. And day unto day utter speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chambers and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So here, David once again focuses on the heavens above him. Now, keep this in mind. When we read the word heavens in Scripture, there's three meanings. One is heaven, the sky, where the birds fly around and the planes fly. Then there is the heaven where God lives, his throne, that we get to go and be in heaven when we take our last breath. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And then there is the heavens, the universe, the stars, the planets that we look at. And that's what David is talking about. He says the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and as he's looking at the stars, and we've talked about this before, how wonderful it is that this summer that many of you will go camping. And when you look up at the stars, isn't it glorious? It's so wonderful. And, and here the universe, I think David, he's just at awe the vastness of the universe the order of the universe, the, the, the beauty of the universe, the complexity of the universe is so incredible. And God spoke and it came into existence. Now remember that David is not worshiping the sun or the moon or the stars. He wouldn't do that. He's worshiping the creator. And creation cries out to us that there is a creator. Just as Paul would write about in Romans chapter 1. He would write that since the beginning of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And you see, the world comes along, 
and so-called scholars and very intelligent people come along and say, listen, it all happened by chance, evolutionary processes, it all happened by a big bang, and there is no creator. That's why I'm so excited about this curriculum that we're doing with Answers in Genesis for the kids so they understand the truth and we get them grounded at a young age that yes, there is a creator. You see it all around us. There's order. That's one of the things that scientists can't explain is why is there order? If there is an explosion, a big bang of some sort, why is there order? That's like saying that there's an explosion in a junkyard and it produces a 747. It doesn't happen. So there's order that's in the universe, the complexity and the diversity of the ecosystems and life, you know, um, systems that are in this world. And it's all, you know, intertwined. And if any of it changed just a little bit, life would cease as we know it. The, the distance from the earth to the sun, the size of the sun, the size of the earth, the, the land mass, the sea mass, you know, ratio, the nitrogen to oxygen ratio. We can go on and we can go on and we can go on. There is a wonderful creation out there and a very wonderful God who created it all. He created all of it. And he created you because he loves you. And he knew you even before the foundations of the world. And you are his workmanship, believer. You see, David writes this wonderful, great poem on the creation, but you are his workmanship. And that word literally in the Greek means you are his poem. You're the crowning jewel of his creation. And he desires to use you in a powerful, wonderful way to bring glory to him. He knew all about you before the foundation of the world. And he desires to make your life a poem. And as we look at this world, we see that it was made by him and you were made. And that's the message that we can give to others. That's the message we want to give to our kids. Amen? Because when they grow up, they're going to be told different. They're going to be told that you're a product of an animal, of a monkey. That really leaves them with a lot of hope, doesn't it? Rather than there's a wonderful creator that loves you and died for you, wants to save you and forgive you and has a plan for you. So David is talking about all this, and, and um, you know, he, he here it, creation cries out to there is a creator, just as Paul wrote in Romans 1. David speaks of the rising and the setting of the sun, uh, Aren't the sunrises and the sunsets beautiful? Probably a lot of you are like me. I love to watch the sunrises come up and the sunsets when it's red. And we live in a part of the country where we get to see a lot of beautiful sunrises and sunsets. And I just want to encourage you that as the weather gets warmer, you're sitting outside and are you up early. I love the summers. I love the summers getting up and and, you know, the, the start of the day when the sun's coming up and the quiet of the day. That it's a real special time for you to draw close to him. And we know that the word of God says that those who seek him early, diligently, shall find him. So maybe you're feeling a little distant from the Lord. Maybe because of circumstances all around you.
being overwhelmed. But I would suggest that in the quietness that you grab your Bible, you grab your pen, you know, notebook, and go spend some time with the Lord. And read your Bible and allow Him to speak to you in that still small voice. And know that He loves you and He created you. You're no accident. And that He desires to work in your life in a very wonderful way. And for you to draw close to Him in the promise of Scripture is that He will draw close to us. And to make Himself, His presence so real to you and and minister to you the comfort and the strength that you need. Take the time to do that because if you're like me, you know, life gets so busy and it gets crazy and, you know, always on the run. But in the quiet times, whether it's at night looking at the heavens that declare His glory or watching the, the sunsets, the sunrises, take time this spring, this summer, and draw close to him, the one who loves you. Well, David goes into the law of the Lord, and this is really a wonderful study, verses 7 through 11. We don't have time to go into it. We could, but we're going to stop here because I really want to take time as he understood something that we need to understand concerning the Word of God in these verses. So we'll pick it up there next time. So, Father, we thank you for maybe we didn't get as far as it's what I had planned, but Lord, I just trust that this is where you wanted us to go and how far you wanted us to go tonight. And we thank you for, oh Lord, these songs here of David, inspired by you. It brings great comfort to us and, and Lord, encourages us. And may we learn as we learn to cry out to you when we're feeling overwhelmed to know that you're our strength that will strengthen us every day for the battle that we go out. And it is a battle out there. It isn't a playground. It's a battleground. And Lord, I pray that we would be ones that, that we would give praise and thanks to you for you delight in us. And you know us. And you hear our cry just as David expressed. Those are truths that we can take to our hearts tonight. And Lord, have close fellowship and relationship with you. And know that you desire to work on our behalf and give us victory, to, to strengthen us and give us endurance, to help us be men and women that we lift our hands in praise, that we have the word of God that's in our hearts, that we stand fast in you, Lord, that you strengthen us. And Lord, you're the one that works in our lives in such a wonderful way. And Father, I do pray that if there is anybody here tonight, maybe somebody's listening live stream, or maybe somebody here tonight in this place listening to this message. Maybe you have experienced religion, but not relationship. And maybe this is new, but... I want you to know that the creator of the universe humbled himself, became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And he came and he died for you because he knew you before the world was even formed. And he died for you because he loves you. 
And you see, we live in a fallen world because Adam sinned in the garden and it brought sin and death to the world. And we're all sinners. And Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save you. There's no other salvation. There's no other sacrifice for sin. Just as we talked about over Easter week, that he's the only one that died for you, the only one that lived a perfect life, the son of God, the only one who conquered sin and death by rising from the grave just like he said he would. And he desires to have a relationship with you and to save you and forgive you. And it comes by faith in him. Faith in the true and the living God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. What he did for you and dying on Calvary's cross and believing that he's alive and then putting your trust and surrendering your life to him. That's what brings salvation. It isn't your own merit. It isn't your own worthiness. You come as you are right now and you recognize your need for the Savior of the world. Today's the day of salvation. Will you come to Jesus if that means anything to anyone right now? And you pray, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins on Calvary's cross, that you love me, you created me. And I ask that you would now forgive me because I believe that you died for me personally and that you rose again from the grave and you're alive and drawn me to yourself. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you right now. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And if anybody prayed that prayer, I want you to come up after service and let me know the decision that you made. But Lord, I pray you bless everyone here as we go our way. Bless the rest of our week. and May we stay close to you. Take that time to really, as David did, as he, he, he looked around, he just marveled at you and your goodness and your beauty and your greatness and may we do the same thing so Lord as we go our way take us home safely bless our day tomorrow bring us all back here safely on Sunday and it's in Jesus name that we pray and all of God's people said amen amen would you please stand